Alrighty, good afternoon. It is 6.01 and 29 seconds here at Radio Free Brooklyn and Resonance FM in the UK, which means that you are about to start listening to Sitting with Jan Luca. I'm Jan Luca. I will be sitting with you till 7 p.m. here. I am uh, really thrilled sitting with me posthumously, I must add. <laughs> but sitting with me today is Guy Clark, the legendary. I can say that word when I talk about Guy Clark. It's not a word I particularly like much. It's overused, but not when it comes to Guy Clark. Um, he uh, uh, sadly is no longer with us, but there is a documentary coming out um, well, that is already out on his life next Wednesday at 6pm here at Sitting with Jan Luca. I will be talking to the producer of the documentary who was also his publicist and who also wrote a biography on Guy Clark Tamara Savignano and, um, but I thought it's going to be a really cool conversation I've been a huge fan of Guy Clark for, for a long time and um, he has sat with me three times, uh, maybe four, but I think it's three. Uh, anyway, so I'm totally uh, uh, thrilled for it. But before that, I thought I would. Um, I wanted to play um, a sit down that I did with him oh, from a while back, actually. I mean, he's been gone for a few years now. Uh, anyway, um, I originally did it for a Mojo magazine article on his first album, Old Number One. And, um, uh, just to talk about who he is for a second. Um, there was a time in the world of roots music and Americana music, country music, uh, whatever you like to call it, where the, uh, the, uh, the hippies, the long-haired, uh, pot-smoking hippies um, were on one side and the uh, short back and side, gelled uh, br- head, <laughs> sooty, conservative country music fans were on the other side. And um, never the twain did meet, really. And as a matter of fact, the uh, conservative used to sort of want to beat up the hippies most of the time. And the hippies thought that the uh, the, uh, the straight country music uh, crew, traditional country music crew, w- were square, man. And a few things happened in the early 70s. You know, there's Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings were doing their thing. And uh, the Armadillo World Headquarters and Billy Joe Shaver, I did a special on him a few weeks ago when he passed away. And then in Nashville in the early 70s, there was a, a new breed of songwriter that blew into Nashville. And um, the the most famous of them were uh, was well yeah were uh, Towns Van Zant and Guy Clark. Now Towns Van Zant used to uh, travel all the time, and uh, Ta- Guy Clark was kind of based in Nashville. And this new breed of songwriter. Um, and there was others too, um, uh, uh, Steve Young, uh, who wrote uh, some Wailing Jennings songs. Lonesome Henri and Mean being one of them, and Steve Earle was another one younger. Uh, anyway, uh, Rodney Kroll was another one uh, from Texas too, actually. Yes, Steve Earle from Texas too. Something in the water in Texas. And anyway, this was a new breed of songwriter drifted into town. They were a little bit more raggedy. They were uh, long-haired 
they were uh, uh, denim clad. Uh, they liked to uh, they liked a, a good smoke as well as a good drink, and they wrote gritty, a little bit more gritty, etc. And the sort of uh, godfather of them, for want of a better word, was Guy Clark, who sort of was um, people gravitated around him. He would have you know parties at his place with his wife Susanna, and he he was sort of he nurtured a lot of it was very evident very early on <laughs> that he was a fantastic writer and uh, he was a little bit older than the others too so um and and songwriters gravitated around him and if you like Steve Earle Steve Earle is Steve Earle in large part because of Guy Clark as well as Tans Van Zant but Guy Clark also uh so anyway there you are there's a nutshell of him there is a uh, movie coming out uh called um uh if uh, without getting killed or caught thank you um which is also the title of tamara savignano's biography of guy clark and uh she will be my guest yes tamara will be my guest next wednesday here at sitting with jan luca i'm going to play so i'm going to play a sit down i had with him i went to his hotel room and he played me a couple of songs two in the interview and i'm very very thrilled i'm going to start off playing a track from his um from his first album we spend uh, quite a bit talking about his first album that took came out in the early 70s it actually took the songwriting uh, americana the americana hadn't been invented yet the term americana rather hadn't been invented although that music was <laughs> still there uh, it just wasn't called americana but anyway it took the country slash folk slash songwriter world by storm his first record old number one waylon jennings is on it steve earl plays bass on it uh emmy lou harris sings on it there's just a cast of uh, and all the great session musicians that um are in any of your collections if you listen to any music at all frankly that came out of nashville slash texas anyway all right enough of that i'm really thrilled to be playing i'm going to start off by playing the title track of the movie called la freeway and i guess i'll dedicate this because so many people have moved right because of i mean i don't know if it's because of the pandemic or it's just because of the fact that people move and they move all the time of course so um, i'm going to uh, dedicate this this is all about starting anew starting fresh and uh, Jerry Jeff Walker covered it, actually, uh, as well. Uh, many people covered it. But here it goes. Let's see if I can find it now. Yes, here it is. <laughs> Guy Clark off his uh, first album, L.A. Freeway. Um, yeah. Oh, didn't have it plugged in. Okay. Well, if you've listened to me before, you know that I am a little bit uh, lacking in the technical department also. You also know that this is very much live radio. <laughs> yes, warts and all. Well, mostly warts. Mm. All right, uh, I'm trying to remedy it, but hey, I do what I can. Uh, all right, Guy Clark off his debut album, uh, old number one. Oof, and this is L.A. Freeway. Back up 
up all your dishes Make note of all good wishes And say goodbye to the landlord for me But some bitches always bored me Throw out them L.A. papers And that moldy box of vanilla wafers Adios to all this concrete Gonna get me some dirt road back street Smoke to some land. I ain't bop, 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 and it's his to you, old skinny Dennis. The only one I think I will miss. I can hear that old bass singing, sweet and low, like a gift you're bringing. Play it for me one more time now. Got to give it all we can now. I Everything you're saying And just keep on Keep on playing If I can just get off of this L.A. freeway Without getting killed a cop I'll be down the road In a cloud of smoke To some land I ain't bop, bop, bop And you put the pink card In the mailbox Leave the key in the front door lock They'll find it likely as not I'm sure there's something we have forgot Oh, Susanna, don't you cry, babe Love's a gift that surely handmade We got something to be leaving Don't you think it's time we're leaving?
record that just happened to be to have no weak links on it old number one yeah it's all pretty good songs when did you start writing them when did they oh start to... all those songs were probably written within two years of before i recorded it and so how how actually did you get signed i had decided to try to get in the music business i was living in texas and uh moved to los angeles first i'd met a couple of guys out there and uh, i would i was working at the dobro factory building dobros and every time i could make an appointment with the publisher i would drive into los angeles and sit down with my guitar and play the songs that i had didn't have any tapes <laughs> you know it was all just me and my guitar so and one day i met and played some songs for the guy who was the head of RCA's publishing company, Jerry Tyford, and he was a very nice man. And I played him about four songs, and he said, oh, that's good. He said, how much money you want and where do you want to live? You know. So we got an office in New York, Nashville, and L.A. And I just said, Nashville, you know. I'd, I'd never been to Nashville, but I had one friend there, Mickey Newberry, I'd met in Texas, and uh, so I moved to Nashville with a with a publishing deal. I can just get off of this LA freeway without getting killed a car. I'll be down a road and a cloud of smoke to some land. I ain't any. What were the four, four songs that you played? Do you remember? No. But they would be on the old number one? No. Oh, they weren't on the old number one? No. There was only one of those songs that I'd written before I came to Nashville, which was uh, an old-time feeling. Well, I wrote it in Los Angeles. And that old-time feeling Goes sneaking down the hall Like an old gray cat in winter Keeping close to the wall And that old-time feeling Comes stumbling up the street When you recorded Old Number One, you were already in your early 30s. So w was that unusual at the time, to like, have someone that wasn't a 20-year-old recording a... Uh, I don't know. I really wasn't looking at it like that. Uh, I mean, I was 30 before I decided that if I wanted to do this, I better start now. <laughs> so uh, that's when I moved to Los Angeles. And then, you know, I was 30 when I moved to Nashville. And, you know, I was probably 32 or 3 by the time I made that record. Do you think that was to your benefit in a way, wasn't it? Because you were already formed as a songwriter. Well, I was learning. I mean, yeah. I learn all the time. I'm still learning, but uh, it's just the way it worked out. I mean, I, I never, certainly didn't plan it that way. It's just yeah. how, how it fell. It doesn't sound like a songwriter finding his way. Yeah. Like they're all pretty well, fully. They're good songs. How how long were the sessions? Was it recorded live? There's a lot of musicians on it. Let's play. 
record oh. took a few weird turns. I mean, I recorded that album. I recorded a whole album and threw it away. Uh, some of the same songs, but I, I got. They put me with a producer that just didn't work out for me. I mean, he and I were not on the same page as far as what I wanted to do. I thought so. We just I kind of junked the whole thing and just went back and we found a stole some old demos and uh, recorded some stuff again, new stuff, and it took a while to to work through all that. Did you consider yourself a bit thrown in on the deep end? I mean, that's a pretty heavy bunch of hitters on that. Well, you got Chip and Reggie Young, and oh yeah, I mean that's yeah. a. Uh, I didn't think I was, but uh, I, I, looking back on it, I was. Yeah. I just wasn't. I just had never done that before. I'd never made a record. I didn't know how it worked. And uh, it's all <laughs> it's all learning what to leave out, you know. But how do you look back on it today? Well, I I still do most of those songs every night. You know, I mean, the songs are all good, you know. Oh, friends, they shine like diamonds. Oh, friends, you can always call. Old Friends was yeah. the first album where I, I, I kind of quit playing and doing anything for about five years and just kind of stepped back and tried to decide what I wanted to do. And I started back with old friends. That record was just me and a guitar in the studio playing the songs and then every, whatever else was on it was overdubbed. Old friends, Lord, you can't buy. You know it's old friends after all. And it, so was that five-year period when you thought you'd just stop, stop recording or stop songwriting? Or? No, I didn't stop writing. Yeah, I guess you can't stop writing. No, it's something you have but to do. I, just, I, do, I was just trying to figure out basically who I was, what I wanted to, my work to, how I wanted my work to be presented. As in maybe not recording it yourself, maybe having other people record it or just, nope. just all the above? All of the above, you know. I, I, I mean, that's part of one of the reasons I moved to Nashville was to be a songwriter and have other people do the song. She was standing on gone side of me. She found her thumb stuck in debris. I mean, I'm not a country singer by any stretch of the imagination or never wanted to be evidently you know or I would have uh, so my income is based mainly on other people doing the songs rather than me Both to build 
it, I mean, it's as dry as a bone, isn't it? it mm. I don't even. I'm not even sure there's reverb on. No, uh-huh. I don't. There is no reverb on any of my albums since then. Did you have that sound in your head as far back as when you first? Started? I think I did. You know, I just didn't know when to tell them to turn it off. <laughs> you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. Even on this one, there's no. No. And it's all live. This one is, yeah. The last two, pretty much, yeah. and especially this one. Everybody's playing the whole song at one time, and if and especially if I didn't get my part completely right, we just did it again. So all of my performances are live. There may be a couple of little guitar licks that were fixed subsequent to that, but for the most part, it's all everybody's sitting in the studio looking at one another playing the songs well and they're all people that you've been with for the last 15 or so years yeah so, yeah i mean you kind of know your ass is covered in certain yeah. respects oh yeah yeah and plus i was very careful about being prepared when i went in there i really learned the song so there was no time wasted learning you know going to the studio and learning a song while you're paying for the studio time and the musicians is just stupid as far as i'm concerned so didn't take i mean t- took three days <laughs> pretty quick <laughs> yeah it was but it but i mean it was meant to be that way i wanted it to be quick i wanted it to be immediate and yeah. you know that's the way the songs went that day mm-hmm. and i do them better already i've been seeing you play for a number of years like you perform a lot of the songs out I've noticed before you record them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I, I wish I could do every one of them out. You know, to me, that's kind of the last step in the writing process is to walk on stage and play them for the folks for two or three weeks, and then you really know how they go. You know, and what what to leave out, and what to emphasize where the pause you know the where the dynamics of the song go when you're ready if you don't mind yeah. would you mind playing us one sure what do you want to hear oh anything you want really well I, i'd like hemingsway's well whatever you well <laughs> that's that's fine i mean i really i'll play anything i can remember anything uh, anything you feel but like playing hemingsway's risky's fine with me yeah yeah Hemingway's whiskey Warm and smooth and mean Even when it burns It'll always finish clean He did not like it watered down He took it straight up and neat If it was bad enough for him You know it's bad enough for me Hemingway's whiskey It's tough out there A good news is hard to find 
Living one word to the next One line at a time Now there's more to life than whiskey There's more to words than rhyme Sometimes nothing works Sometimes nothing shines Like Hemingway's whiskey Sail away as the day grows dim Live hard, die hard This one's for him Hemingway's whiskey Warm and smooth and mean Even when it burns It'll always finish clean He did not like it watered down He took it straight up and neat That was bad enough for him You know it's bad enough for me Anyways, whiskey Kind of like that. You're uh, listening to Sitting with Jan Luca here. All righty. Yes, I'm going to pause it for a second. We're getting back to it really fast. But um, if you've just tuned in, you know, you're 26, 27 minutes past and 26 seconds sitting with Jan Luca. Uh, I'm Jan Luca. I'll be sitting with you since 7 p.m. Sitting with me posthumously is the late guy Clark, songwriting giant, songwriting titan, songwriter of songwriters and and um, it's it's in preparation, really, a primer for um, for Tamara Savignano, who will be sitting with me next week um, from Nashville, and she has produced a uh, documentary called uh, "Without Getting Killed or Caught" on Guy Clark, and it's also the title of her biography of Guy Clark. Uh, we're going to sort of roll our sleeves up and get in, into his uh, songwriting and so on um so tune in next uh next uh wednesday 6 p.m it's gonna be magnificent magnifico um also as you know we are totally broke if you have any jingly jangly oh please 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 um it'd be fantastic if you go to the radio website there are donate buttons that you can uh, help us out with if you what else oh there's a um oh there's a rfb a newsletter that you can do it uh that's on the radio free brooklyn uh slash newsletter there's a rfb mobile app um and that's of course they're not going to cost you anything and that but it does also help us so uh if you can that would be great but by the way on the mobile app ooh, i've forgotten on the mobile app you can get in touch with me there's a comments that you can send me stuff i'm going to turn that on in a minute when i'm playing the rest of the interview um yeah radiofreebrooklyn.com it's a mobile app if you want to chat with me while i am on the air you can do that through that i'll turn it on in a second um and also, if you want to chat with me or contact me through the Sitting With GT Instagram account, you can do that too. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to get back to the main event, Guy Clark. I also should say that <laughs> it's no secret that Guy Clark liked the uh, the odd cigarette, uh, like the odd smoke and the odd drink. So uh, smoke them if you got them, I guess. <laughs> Drain your glasses to the bottom in honor of the fantastic Guy Clark. Um, uh, yeah, just a, a, a really phenomenal songwriter so okay back to the event uh guy clark here at sitting with jan luca sitting with dot com sitting with me this time round is guy clark when you finish a song do you know when it's finished not always uh a lot of times like we were talking about about the last stage of the writing process being going out and playing it for the folks so you I always find little things that I change, you know. Sometimes there's a word or two that never quite suited me, and it'll just kind of pop out of my mouth sometimes. Uh, sometimes the arrangements change a little bit. Uh, it's all a work in progress to me, yeah. you know. There's nothing really written in stone. Are there songs in your catalog that you sort of wish you'd written differently, maybe? that Songs I wish I'd written better. <laughs> like, like which? Oh, the, the one in particular that comes to mind was a song called Better Days. Standing at the window, her face to the glass, as far as she can see, the time has come to pass, as far as she can see. Oh, this sky is all ablaze. This looks like the first of better days. There was a line in that song that I never did like, and I went ahead and recorded it, and I actually quit doing the song because I, this one one particular line just kind of made me cringe, which was, uh, on a ray of sunshine, she goes dancing out the door. On a ray sunshine she dances out the door you know and I just thought god damn that's really kind of lame and uh, I was playing down in Australia and a girl came up to me after the show and she was saying you know I work at a shelter for battered women and we use one of your songs for the theme song for the shelter I said, well, what's, what's that? And she said, better days. And I said, oh, that's great, you know, but I, I kind of quit doing that song because there's a line in it I don't like. And she asked me what it was, and I told her, and she said, yeah, all the battered women think that too. Oh. <laughs> so I sat down with her that night and fixed it. Oh, really? Yeah. And that, now the line is, she has no fear. she has no fear of flying, and now she's out the door. And it's not on the re- it's not recorded like that. Have you started playing it again? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Like that? Yeah. Heyman swallowed anchor and stepped himself ashore. Set sea boot down, cobblestone he'd never trod before. Eamon on on yeah, a new record. Yeah, yeah. It's a song about a uh, about a, a navy man. Yeah. Who has spent his whole life at sea and then he goes inland to die and it sounds to me like he's doing it for the first time like this is the longest he's ever been on dry land yeah like well 
someone like that, you, you have Rodney, to... Rodney Krause started that song. I had met this guy on an airplane. He was riding back from England, back to the U.S. He was sitting by this guy, and he was an old merchant mm. seaman. Spent his whole life. I think his name was Amy. And oh. he had... Uh, he was, excuse me, spent his whole life at sea. And he now is a pilot guiding big tankers through the Panama Canal. That's his, what he does now. But Rodney just got enthralled with this guy's life story, you know, of spending his whole life at sea. A lone fog on the harbor did obscure the rigging lights. And the terra firma tavern cast a warm glow in the night. He wrote the first two verses and mm. came to me and asked me if I'd help him finish it. And I, I thought those first two verses were just pristine, you know, they were really good. So I did and we wrote it. But the, uh, that idea comes from Ulysses and about after Ulysses got back from his voyages, he put an oar over his shoulder and walked inland. The first guy he came to said, what are you doing with that oar on your shoulder? And he said, well, I'm just I'm going inland. Next guy he runs into says, isn't that an oar you have on your shoulder? You know, and he keeps going, he keeps going. Finally, he comes to some guy sees him and says, what's that you got on your shoulder? He stuck his oar in the ground and said, this is where I'm going to stay. Because the sea had just burned him out. Do songs sort of tug at your sleeve from time to time? Mm-hmm. You mean uh, as far as before they're written? Yeah. You mean the, yeah. the idea? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Texas 1947, Desperado's Waiting for a Train. All of those songs are songs from my childhood that once I started writing, it was just obvious I had to write that song. Being six years old, I had seen some trains before. So it's hard to figure out what I'm at the depot for. Trains are big and black and smoking steam, screaming at the wheels. And bigger than anything they is, at least that's the way she feels. Trains are big and black and smoking, louder than July 4. But everybody's acting like this might be something more than just picking up the mail. Are the soldiers from the war? This something that even old man Wyman never seen before. And it's a Tom Waits said he sees songs as uh, they sort of float around in the air, and then they see someone who's quite talented, who's quite good at writing, uh, and they'll sort of swoop down <laughs> and stay with him for a little bit till yeah. they're written, and then take off. And that was off. only true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, you know, it, it's different for everybody. Yeah. You know, sometimes, I mean, I've had a few songs that just came out in a straight line uh, that I mean I've got the original paper I wrote them on and there's not one word crossed out you know it's just oh she ain't going nowhere yeah she ain't going nowhere Um, uh, and on this new album even though I wrote it with 
two other guys, it just went straight through. Uh, maybe I can paint over that. Oh, right. You know, okay. that just came out kind of full-blown. Uh, and, and a lot of them take a lot more work, you know, but sometimes that happens. Yeah. You can't count on it, but it right. does take, right, you, right. take you by surprise sometimes. Would you Would you mind playing another song? Sure. And then I'll ask you a couple more questions and I'll let you get back to... Uh, to, to, to the rest of your day. You might even write a masterpiece in the afternoon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, how hard can it be? I feel one coming on. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I ain't looking for trouble I can't stay here tonight Got to leave here on the double If I want to see the morning light Don't need no pistol for the tickets I've got just enough to get us down the line I don't know what happens next Your guess is just as good as mine Move with me, Magdalene I'm tired of the same old scene There's a prey I'm leaving at midnight If you came with me, it'd be like a dream
Magdalene. All right, well, you're listening to Sitting with Jan Luca at sittingwith.com. My guest sitting with me this time is Guy Clark. If you want to know more about Guy's songs, go into the archives and dig out an interview I did with him a while back where we talk a bit more about some of the songs. Guy, thanks so much. That was a nice... Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you played that one. Cause ah. <laughs> well, I almost played it. <laughs> little loose. I'm going to sort of start winding down, but I wanted to just bring up one song you wrote, um, The Randall Knife, yeah. like uh, the, that you wrote for your father uh -huh. after he passed. My father had a Randall knife My mother gave it to him When he went off to World War II To save us all from ruin Now if you've ever held a Randall knife You know my father well If a better blade was ever made It was probably forged Well, first of all, I would imagine that that's a song that you don't want to screw up. Like, is it harder writing a song that personal to, to other songs compared well, to other songs? I wrote that just as a poem, as sort of a cathartic thing. When my dad passed away, I wrote about two weeks after he died, and I never thought it was going to be a song. I didn't write it to perform. I wrote it simply for myself. And I read it to a couple of people, and... Everybody was like, wow, man, you should make that into a song. So it, it, uh, it was fairly easy to write. I remember My just writing it almost straight through. Uh, it wasn't something that needed to be overworked. It was all in my head, you know, and it was there to be done. Uh, but it was, like I said, it, I'd never thought about it being a song when I wrote it. Uh, yeah. One of those songs you start at the yeah. beginning and work your way to the end, almost literally? Almost, exactly. All the way through. Very little. Very little was changed about it. Is it cathartic doing that? Yeah, sure it was. What was it like the first time then you performed it? Well, I can't really remember. I mean, it was still kind of gets me you know sometimes it kind of chokes me up a little bit but uh, I mean I do it almost every night so um, but it seems to get better every time I do it yeah well guy I really want to thank you anyway well thank this. you you know this is thanks I for, appreciate for it. having me over my pleasure <laughs> my hand burned for the Randall knife there in the bottom drawer I found a tear for my father's life and all that it stood for. Well, I'm gone down to Austin, Texas. I'm gone down to save my soul. Get that barbecue and chili. Eat my fill and come back home. I'm Take my baby with me We're gonna have a house time We're gonna eat till we get silly Show does make a beer taste fine Oh, my mama ain't a Texas cooking son Oh, 
stop your belly and backbone for bubble. Oh, my mama ain't that Texas cooking good. Oh, my mama eat it every day if I could, all right. Armadillo tastes so sweet he called it pie. I know a woman make pandals that taste so good it gets you high. Get them enchiladas greasy, get them steaks chicken fried. Show to make a man feel happy to see white gravy on the side. Oh my mama, ain't that Texas cooking song? Oh my mama, to stop your belly and backbone for bone. It must be against the law We're gonna get the big old sausage Big old plate of ranch style beans. I could eat the heart of Texas We're gonna need some brand new cheese Oh, my mama ain't that Texas cooking song Oh, my mama stop your belly backbone for bugger Oh, my mama ain't that Texas cooking good
Yes, indeed. Guy Clark. <laughs> From the album Keepers and uh, Texan Cooking. Oh, Texas Cooking, excuse me, with an S at the end. I should know better, shouldn't I? And uh, I was really tempted to play the uh, Randall Knife, which was actually the um, the song that Guy was telling me about that he wrote for his father. It's a it's a amazing piece of songwriting, uh, but it's sort of quite... Mm, ooh, well, I wanted to lighten up the mood a little bit, uh, and I played Texas Cooking uh, instead, uh, recorded live off an album called Keepers. There's a few live albums, and well worth a listen. Um, I should say also that I, I think I should compile a playlist to go along with this. So um, I will, if you log in again, if you have Spotify, uh, you can look under sitting with Jan Luca or SWG. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I've never really done a Spotify playlist before, so I'm breaking the seal. Um, it's cool. There's a little bit of time left. I can play some more Guy Clark if you just tuned in. You're almost at the end of sitting with Jan Luca. I'm Jan Luca. Um, I will be sitting with you till 7 p.m. Sitting with me posthumously has been Guy Clark. Recorded, I looked it up, 10, a little bit over 10 years ago in New York City hotel room. And if you want to read the article I wrote on the back of it, um, if you read Mojo, um, anyway, it's, it came out Mojo 197, April the 10th, 91. Mojo issue 197 came out in April of 2010. And I do a feature on an album, his first ever album, Old Number One, that sort of revolutionized songwriting and, uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah, very important album. Um, I should say also, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at sitting with GT on Instagram. And uh, anything else? Yeah, next week, please tune in. Tamara Savignano will be um, playing, will, will be sitting with me from her home in Nashville talking about Guy. She produced a movie without getting killed or caught, um, and uh, which is also her biography of Guy Clark. She was also his publicist uh, for a, a, and eventually friend and friend as well, I guess. Friend, publicist, etc. So, uh, so she knows Guy and it's going to be a fantastic conversation. And uh, yes, so that it will be here at Radio Free Brooklyn and Resonance FM in the UK. Uh, Hi, Resonance FM. And um, I think that's about it. I'm going to finish off with some cool stuff cool like happy stuff you know guy, guy has written some really sort of like well really uh, I, I i wanted to say the word dense that's not the wrong the right word but you know some really sort of sit down and listen to music but i'm going to play some uh some fun stuff uh because because what <laughs> one of the um one of the most amazing things when i used to go and see guy play live is that his use of space, because, you know, we're used to, um, to, to a lot of instruments, uh, you know, cushioning the words, right? In all music, country, uh, folk, whatever, you know, disco, it doesn't matter. But, and, um, guy, you would do the other thing. Uh, he would uh, come out just with an acoustic guitar. I mean, he often played with musicians, but when he was by himself, he just came out with an acoustic guitar. 
usually either have a cigarette sticking out of the headstock and a glass of uh, adult beverage next to him. And he would just really slowly deliver songs, just one line at a time, one chord at a time, no hurry to get anywhere, let the song breathe, let the words stand there and let the story present itself. And it was so visual and it was just so, ah, so I'm going to play one of those songs. It's not one of his sort of, you know, serious songs, but it is summertime, it's coming, it's beautiful sunny days ahead and it gets light, uh, it stays light till later and uh, everyone's happy that it's spring on its way to summer and all this. So I'm going to play one of Guy's wonderful songs, uh, two actually, back to back because I think there's time. Uh, uh, one is about tomatoes. <laughs> the other one, this one I'm going to play immediately, is a, a from a live one. They might both be from live versions, actually. Anyway, it's about summertime and it's watermelon dream. Here it's sitting with Jan Luca. Oh dear, I didn't plug it in. <laughs> Let me do it again. <laughs> I love it when this happens. Now you know it's live radio, right? Yes, indeed. If you didn't know it before, you know it now. Um, oh, I should also I should say if you want to get in touch with me for any reason. Uh, sorry if I've said it before. Um, but if, if uh, my Instagram is sitting with GT, like Gianluca Tramontana, that would be me sitting with GT. I reply to every query. And uh, yeah, that's how you get in touch with me. All right. Uh, back to let's see if I can do this properly like a grown up, like a professional grown up. Kai Clark here at Sitting with Gianluca and Watermelon Dreams. Happy summer, folks. So we hid beneath the elm tree and watched the watermelons float. There in a big old tub of ice And we'd split them open with a kitchen knife And everybody got a slice It was a watermelon drink Ain't nothing sweeter than a watermelon drink Except sitting on the front porch eating that peach ice cream When life is really sweeter than a scene that's what you've got to call a watermelon dream. Mowing with sticky hands and faces, we fought the yellow jackets to a draw, and then we used the rind for second base and played a little hardball. I don't know how much we ate, but we all got the belly ache, and everybody stayed up way too late. It was a watermelon dream. Ain't nothing sweeter than a watermelon dream Except sitting on the front porch eating that peach ice cream When life is really sweeter than a scene That's what you've got to call a watermelon dream oh. And then a little after sundown, we'd be running out of steam. So we'd light a Roman candle up and try to hold on to the dream. Maybe slip out behind a car, take a little taste from a jar. 
and then just lay back and count the stars. Ooh, it's called a water. Ain't nothing sweeter than a watermelon dream Sitting on the front porch eating that peach ice cream When life is really sweeter than a scene That's what you've got to call a watermelon dream Oh, now, ain't nothing sweeter than a watermelon dream Sitting on the front porch eating that peach ice cream when life is really sweeter than a scene, that's what you've got to call a watermelon dream. Pickling lettuce and homegrown tomatoes up in the morning out in the garden. Get you a ripe one, do not get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, eat them in the summer. All winter without them's a culinary bummer. I forget all about the sweating and digging. Every time I go out and pick me a biggin', homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'd life be without homegrown tomatoes? Only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. Guy. Well, you can go out to eat, and that's for sure, but it's 